Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. In our last series on magnetic movie villains, we had Micah Kanan, who was fantastic and incredibly informative and a lot of fun with, uh, and also making everything incredibly politically charged. But I enjoyed those conversations. But through these conversations, he also pointed out that Corey and I are really big David Fincher fans. And so the fact that he has a movie that's going to be dropping on Netflix on Friday, we kind of figured what better time than to do a Fincher pod. Yeah. And getting a film from such a prestigious filmmaker as David Fincher in a time where there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, You don't get a lot of movies right now. So to have something like that, that's going to come out and that we're going to get to watch, it's, it's super duper exciting. And, you know, for this one, we decided that we're going to do something that we haven't done before. And it's kind of a collaborative top five. So we're all going to have to come to some sort of semblance of agreement here. Yeah. So instead of having our individual top fives, like we've done the past few episodes, we're going to have a little bit of politicking, a little bit of debate about what should be in this collaborative top five. And, you know, from there's not going to be too much of a difference, although there is one that I think there's a major disagreement on just from the text Corey and I have shared back and forth already about what movie should be on there. Yeah. And to join us on this journey, we are joined by our good friend and filmmaker, John Yost. And we have his little bio um, that we're going to read for you right now. John has worked in tandem as an educator and commercial producer, creating and directing broadcasts, commercials, music videos, short films, and features. He is the founder of commercial production company, Fifth Column Features, and the co-founder of a film collective known as the APB. What's that shit stand for? The Avril Park Boys. Avril Park Boys. Because we're all from Avril Park. Nice, yeah. yeah. So we're super excited to have John on. Um, He's going to lend us his expertise in this discussion. And Beam, what are we uh, drinking today? So we... (laughs) All right, so I think we've basically been joking about the fact that it doesn't look like... It looks like David Fincher doesn't like to turn lights on when he enters a room. Nope, he doesn't. Just wildly. It's like he's a bat. He could just go by sonar. But uh, so we decided to do something that felt like the complete antithesis of that uh, with the beer name, the beer color. It's it's called Island Jams from Brick City Brewing out of New Jersey. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. It's delightful. It's definitely got some tropical jams going on in my in my palate, my mouth. Also, with complete transparency, as I mentioned, I now know what this beer tastes like. The reason why I opened it. Yeah, so we're going to open a different one just to get that uh, sound crack for continuity's sake, but we're already drinking it. But anyway, let's get into it, fellas. We mentioned previously that Fincher has a movie coming out on December 4th. It is called Mank. Pronounce that right, right? Yeah. Mank. 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 Yes. It's coming out on Netflix. Corey, I know you're super excited about this. So tell us a little bit about what it, what the, what the movie is so or what it's sure. supposed to be. It, uh, you know, Mank is short for Mankiewicz and that is Herman Mankiewicz, who is a screenwriter who was involved with the writing of Citizen Kane, um, widely considered to be, you know, one of the greatest American films ever made. This is a movie that has been floating around in Fincher's world for a very long time. Uh, His father, Jack Fincher, wrote this way back in the early 90s, 
And, you know, Fincher... He didn't like it. He didn't like it at first. Um, he did not like it. He didn't like the early drafts of his dad's script. And, you know, they, they worked together on it a lot to try and come up with something that was filmable. And Fincher ended up trying to get it made in the late 90s after he made the game. Um, but that ended up not coming to fruition. And he moved on to other projects doing Fight Club and Panic Room after that. Then uh, Fincher's father passed away in 2003. And, you know, I think that event took on new meaning in terms of him really pushing and wanting to have this film as kind of a legacy for his father or something to remember him by. And, you know, the interesting thing is in 2014, he made Gone Girl, and then he just kind of left filmmaking behind for a while and turned to TV. He started making House of Cards for Netflix, and he started making Mind Hunter, Hunter for Netflix. And which is very good. I, I thoroughly enjoy Mind Hunter. Me too. I, I think it's a great show. And I think that the success of those two shows, specifically House of Cards, which really, really like brought this whole boom in terms of these streaming services and the success of those two shows. You know, he went into a meeting with the Netflix creative team and they basically said like, hey, what do you want to do? <laughs> you know, he, he was able to leverage the success of those two shows to do basically whatever he wanted. And he's like, hey, I have this script. Um, my father made it and, you know, I want to make it. And that's what he's got going on here. Do you think that uh, Fincher has like a daddy issue like Steven Spielberg does? Or <laughs> do you think this is just... Do you think this I is just know, like, I didn't know that Spielberg actually had a daddy issue. Well, I mean, I, that's just mine. But, uh, like, like watching his films and all the dad characters and the and the. Song. I feel like there's got to be something with Venture. Well, I, I'm just curious. <laughs> I don't like, know. If it's a, I don't know. Because if it's I actually a daddy didn't know issue. he had a father. I just thought he kind of was born from a chrysalis or a cocoon. But all right. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. Like, because I I know we also want to talk a little bit about how we came to have our own connection with David Fincher and how we, how we learned about him. But I don't know. I don't think we can just left that, leave that unsaid kind of, you you, you have some weird sort of not, well, you have a theory about Fincher. About him being a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a sociopath <laughs> of some sort. Yeah. I think there's, I think he's definitely has a problem um, with empathy. I think his, most of his characters, if you look at them are characters of people like Zuckerberg um, and the the guy, uh, Michael Douglas's character in the game that are very much like closed down and unemotional um, assholes. And I think he really likes that. I, I don't think that when we watch those films and we're like, oh, that's pretty sad. Those characters are pretty sad. I think he's kind of like, no, those are great guys. And you're like, no, <laughs> doesn't mean he makes bad films. I just don't think he's, I'm uh, just hearing how he treats his actors and hearing how he, he, he makes his films. It doesn't seem like he's a very nice guy. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I whatever. <laughs> That's cool. I don't know, but I get where you're coming from, and you know, we, you, the the stories are infamous in terms of actors having to do upwards of 15 takes consistently, sometimes up to like 70, 80 takes. It's it's really an arduous working environment, seemingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I I always look at it not that he's necessarily a sociopath. You know, I've always looked at it as on the one hand, he just has a very low opinion of humanity. Like hmm. he he's talked about that. And I think what he does to his characters and puts them through, I, I would disagree that he celebrates these people because he puts them through the fucking ringer. That's true. And yeah. so uh, I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I'm not going to say either way, but like, 
that's how I've always viewed it. And in terms of his filmmaking, I've always just seen him as a perfectionist. And mm-hmm. I have certain perfectionist uh, tendencies myself. So like, not not to his degree to, by, by any means, but, you know, I guess when you're an artist and you have a specific vision, in some ways, I respect that you go through such pains to mm. make your vision exactly as you see it. And yes, he treats other people like shit to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a give and take thing. Like his art is tremendous. The way he treats right. people less so. Well, and I think so like hearing about like uh recently just came up on all the social medias. You saw about how he worked on Zodiac with Jake Gyllenhaal and Jake was really distracted and was kind of becoming a new star in Hollywood. And he was like having none of this. I actually do kind of like how he says, come working. I don't care if you're sad, your dog died, you come do your job. Totally agree with that. And I also think making films myself, I think, and I've heard it being said, and I completely agree with it, is that filmmaking is one of the most unnatural art forms. It is It is not something that comes easy. It is not something you can do really by yourself. You have to have people surrounding you with a certain ethic, work ethic, not ethic, but work ethic to get certain things done and to achieve certain things. So I think it's all, you know, it's a gray area. Um, I like to think that when I'm working, I'm trying to treat people nicely, but also get what I need done. Um, so again, slippery slope. Um, I, you know, it's so. Is it a hard line to to kind of balance? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's incredibly difficult because you want to be fair with everyone. You want to treat people with respect, and you want them to get the best work out of them. But I agree with Fincher. Don't don't come and be whiny about your your you know my car payment is not like, I don't care. Like you're here to work. You're, I'm not, I'm not your babysitter. I'm not your therapist Do your job. Right. So I, I can kind of get with that. And that being said, like going back to the most unnatural thing you can do artistically, I think it's difficult too, because what you're trying to do is cram about six different types of art into one thing. So like for me personally, like I'm constantly writing and coming up with ideas for stuff, mostly based on feeling and music. Those things are very human. Those things are very done personally and able to be achieved without anyone's real input. And then try to make the two hour movie <laughs> based on that, which is like, oh, it's, it's insane. So like, I just see them as two hour long Nine Inch Nails music videos. David Fincher films, at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, I, I think that and when we'll, talk, we'll get into it. I think he's achieved a lot of great things and I again I don't think he's I'm not saying psychopath or sociopath in a bad way actually to be quite honest and not all of them like I think one in a hundred people in this country or, or in this world are psychopaths they don't dice up little cubes but they just have they just don't like oh I, you're sad I don't care do your job like you're not saying it as a critique no no I'm just saying it as kind of matter of fact like I think that's probably why he's really yeah, good at what he does <laughs> so that's just probably who he is like I, you know like yeah. so um, it's more just kind of a well oh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he may be he may be yeah. a sociopath yeah he I mean he very well could be that or he has daddy issues or you know <laughs> again I don't know anything about that but <laughs> anyway I'm gonna get sued Corey I mean I feel like I had I feel like from just hanging with you guys the idea or just even the idea to watch fight club was something that came into my head because of you guys. So what was, what got you started on like David Fincher films? One of the things that David Fincher films kind of brought to me was this sense of, and I think it's something we've talked about before, but like before I had seen David Fincher's movies, I had a very limited scope and view of like what a movie could be. And then I saw Seven, 
and I saw it when I was like 11 or 12 years old. It was a VHS in my uncle's movie collection, and we sat down and watched it one night, and I was just completely blown away. Like, I had no idea you could tell such a dark and bleak story. I didn't know you didn't have to have some kind of happy ending or resolution. I didn't know you could put characters through so much shit. I didn't know you could put Gwev Paltrow's head in a box, even though you don't see it, but like, I didn't know (laughs) that whole thing for some reason, as serious it is, is funny to me, but go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I didn't know any of those things were possible. And so, you know, seven was first and then I saw Fight Club and same type of deal. Like, I didn't know it could be so violent. All the cool, you know, digital stuff that he's doing in Fight Club with like, where he's moving from space to space through walls. Like I I had no idea any of that was possible until I saw his movies or even just like the movement in the choreography of the fights. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And you know, something that ultra violent and something that funny. And I think fight club is really funny in some ways. Um, It's so funny. How old are you? You know, I I was born in 87. So I I came to it in like 99 when, fight club was coming out you were 12 then yeah and i was like 11 or 12 when i first started watching his movies and then you know i've said this before but then i just had season tickets anything that he came out with i I really wanted to see for that stretch of you know i was i was there when zodiac came out i was there Mm -hmm. when curious case of benjamin button came out i was there when the social network (laughs) came out um (laughs) you saw that it wasn't yeah i saw that theaters that was unfortunate um but you know i it was long. He he was one of the filmmakers that kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities. And so I've always kind of held a special place in my heart for his movies. And I'm very affectionate towards them, mm-hmm. despite the things that you were saying before about like him really having a low uh, opinion of humanity and probably being a psychopath. Like I still feel very. <laughs> so, I mean, that's to me, you're right. I'm, I'm with you, Corey, hundred percent. I think he's an artist. I think he's, um, I think he's very talented, but and there's, there's some interesting things with him. I wonder, wonder what he's like to actually know as a person, like without all the stories, you just know him as a friend or you went to your lawyer. I don't know. I mean, for sure. That might be interesting. <laughs> I, I think, I think that it'd be very interesting person to know. I, yeah. I find myself, you know, thinking about whether he'd be a good hang and like whether he'd be <laughs> someone I want to have a beer with or right. whether things would get real dark real quick and like, I kind of settled on the latter. I think things would get pretty dark pretty quick and it just like wouldn't be. I think you're going to want to end the, the conversation early and find a way out. But um, no, I Fincher for me, like the vibe and not like the maybe the content. I'm not like wasn't endorsing the content, but like just the vibe, sort of that very seedy kind of grimy environment that he always seemed to like immerse himself in with all of his movies it's just kind of spoke to my soul a little bit mm-hmm. i don't know why i just like it probably says more about us than like what we enjoy <laughs> well no we i know like. and and it goes this is that, the uh, problem with this podcast is that i'm starting to learn a lot <laughs> about myself through my exploration of of the different mediums that i that i that i you know in enjoy and mm-hmm. and what i enjoy most from them and it's not good the results have been actually terrifying. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Fincher has that. <laughs> Fincher has that quote that we're all perverts, and that's why we like he's his music so much. Fucking and, like, wrong. No, though. he's not. But like, also, I am. Oh, fuck you. A huge You're going to tell me he's not a pervert? Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. You know, so how'd you, how'd you come to what? What's your relationship with his movies? Where did it come in for you in terms of like your 
movie watching is he an influence is he where do you stand on him sure no, yeah um so you were 12 when when fight club when said fight club came out so i was 12 when alien 3 came out and i loved alien movies so alien 3 i was so excited about like i remember my cousin seeing it before me and i got to finally see it and um so then that was great you know who wasn't excited about it you i would imagine no david fincher yes no, it's okay. Um, but Alien, the, the the start up the franchise was fantastic. Aliens was T two in space with aliens, and then this thing was like slick and it was fun and it was climbing the walls and it was like in the catacombs, and it went back to one alien instead of like seventeen million of them, so it was still kind of stalking them. I don't know. It was kind of as a, an older adult, I'm like, it's fine. But as a kid, I was like, this is great. This is like this is so much fun. So the dog scene was disturbing though. Well, it's actually an ox in a different cut. There's two different cuts, and I actually watched the different cut for this because I forgot there's a different cut for it. The different cut, I think, is actually brilliant, and you should watch the different cut. The, How do I access the longer, it? You know, um, I can send it to you. Oh, have, that works. I have right. a file of it. But, I think um, I would have been more comfortable with an ox than a dog. Yeah, yeah. It like, broke out this ox, um, and it just runs amok. But, so then, yeah, from there, um, I think then I was I watched the game with my dad. Didn't even know it was him. It's like, oh, this is a fun movie, Michael Douglas kind of movie. And then um, I watched Seven, and I was like, also kind of like, almost the exact same reaction you had. Again, didn't really know. This was, I didn't really get into film and filmmaking until I was about 18 or 19. That's when I went to film school. Um, I was always watching films. Like, this is when like Train Spotting's coming out, movies like Go and Swingers. And this was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm like 16, 17, 18, like really into this kind of stuff, like late 90s. And then, when Fight Club came out and I was in film school and we went back and looked at Seven and I was like, oh, and the game was him too. And oh, yeah, like, oh, Alien 3. Like, I didn't even know Alien 3 was him when I was younger. And then I was like, oh, and he's a music video director and all this stuff. So I never really came online as understanding really who David Fincher was really until Zodiac. So, and then I was like, this is great. <laughs> and I'm actually interested to see Mank because Mank looks like the brightest of his films because you can't really and yet it's black and white yeah but you really can't right. shoot it looks almost exactly like Seven Sixteen is doing that on purpose but you can't shoot that without a lot of light yeah I'm wondering obviously it was shot digitally and all that stuff because he loves that stuff but but he re, he you know he's always reinventing digital cinema and so I have a feeling like this is probably going to be his brightest movie with the most lights and the most lit even though it's going to be noir but it's still going to be interesting so how about you me? <laughs> it was, I mean, it was through, it was really just through Fight Club. Like, I, I, I think, um, I don't know if I was allowed to watch R rated movies as, uh, as, as, as soon as maybe others, which, which I mean, it's, it's funny to say, but it's, it, it did keep me from seeing some films and I had to like play catch up later on. But Fight Club was the movie that, that, that really introduced me to him. And I mean, hell, I love Chuck Palahniuk. I think that's how you say his name. Um, Palahniuk. Yeah. yeah, he's very similar. I feel like into in the way Fincher chooses. I feel like his subject matter too. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it it's exploring very incredibly flawed people um, he's to, he's with some to, really deep dark secrets. Yeah, and he's trying to he's trying to press your buttons. I mean, nothing right. really. He's trying. There's a there's a there is definitely an element of shock, and like in 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 Fight Club, you know, just kind of as you said, I just thought it was hilarious too. I mean, having two actors like Brad Pitt and Edward Norton just kind of duel back and forth uh you know trading line for line in some instances but when of course they're the same person it's just 
it was it was a really fascinating film also something i'm becoming more oddly aware of i am a huge fan of violence and this of course has a lot of that in it and uh and yeah so um and, and on a very like humanistic level, sort of in a way, where it was just like it's it it was a lot more visceral. I feel like in, in, than in other films, especially with the scene with uh, Jared Leto. For me, it was like, no, I want to tear down the system. I don't want this to be the system that I live in anymore. In terms of society, where money drives everything, I got to buy cars. Like the famous line, you buy cars, you know, working jobs you don't like for shit you don't need. And I think that has actually informed most of my life. I've actually been like, right. well, I'm going to go do the things I would like to do. And buy the things that I think are important, not the stuff I don't want and need. Well, you so, don't want to take it as far as maybe they do it, right? In, exactly. in the film, which is <laughs> which yeah, is yeah, kind yeah. of what it was. But no, I, and 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 I think as I matured and just and as I watched that movie more and right. more, because that's a movie I've watched I don't know how many times. Then read the book, like became and then became obsessed with Chapalnik. Mm-hmm. Like it. Uh, yeah, it was it was exactly that sort of thing where it was like I, I started catching the meaning more, but mm-hmm. able to decipher maybe right. what parts of it made sense and could be logically done and rationally done and morally in in a way that's morally uh, approved. Right. And just knowing his films and just sort of in sort of the vibe he goes for in all of his movies, yeah, it's something I can easily I, for some reason identify with and 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 can relate to or not relate to, but at least just sort of uh, understand more and appreciate more. All right, so let's get to the rankings here. And like we mentioned before, we're going to attempt to create a definitive list. You say attempt like we're not going to do it. Well, we're going to do it. It's just there might be fights at certain points. I think there's a couple films that there's some contention about in the <laughs> ranks. Um, but No, there you know, is. I said it right at the guys. beginning. There absolutely the is. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, so let's start how off. Much, how much does his say work? Or how much, <laughs> how much weight does he get? <laughs> He gets, he gets an equal weight. Is it equal? Like part. I, I, I came up with a scoring system. Um, I'll explain it when we get there. But You're just scared that I'm going to get Alien 3 into the top five. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's not going to be anywhere close to it. So with I that, don't know. I feel like you could be convinced. No. I feel, I, no. Are you sure? Strong, right. strong feeling. I don't think it's happening. Man. Um, so I'm going to we're, we're going to do this in kind of tiers that I have developed um, because Corey makes the rules. I make the rules around That's here. Cool. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll start with the lower tier. I do want to just, you know, mention these films, talk about them very, very briefly, and then we'll move on to a more robust discussion about our top five. I'll start with the curious case of Benjamin Button. Oh my god! Um, just, we've already stated we're not huge not fans good. of this film. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> I agree with you. I do want to say one positive thing. I do think it's an a stunning achievement from a filmmaking perspective and sure. yes. from his digital techniques in the way that he kind of seamlessly made Brad Pitt look like an old man baby. Like that was mm-hmm. remarkable and it worked and I can't believe it worked, but right. you are right. It's not a particularly engrossing story. I don't think it's a very good movie, mm-hmm. really stunning filmmaking achievement. And I do want to just say that. What's sure, funny about that too, is that I, I, I read an interview, I think it was, I don't know if it was the guardian, but like he, he, he said that that was like the easy part and then went on about how the makeup was actually the more mm, difficult yeah, part. I, I believe it. Which like, is what's so funny. It's like, know. listen, it's the new shit that is whatever. But the stuff we always do over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, it's not a very good movie, but the things that he was able to do to bring that story to life on film was very, uh, very inspiring from an art 
artistic standpoint. That's that's all I really have to say. Possibly. Technical for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with you on that. Um, just a different play. You know, all the different set pieces and all the different. You know, time. It's like Forrest Gump on crack for sure. Like, you know, you know what I mean, like, uh, so yeah. For that, I mean. It, for that, it's not bad. For everything else, like I, it's I'll never watch it again. The second one that I want to get to is Alien Three. I think mm. it's in the lower tier. John, I know you like it. Love it. Just take the floor. It <laughs> it doesn't make any sense as a story. <laughs> so there points against it. I know sure. some of the techniques that you're talking about, like the upside down on the walls mm-hmm. camera, like that. That's super cool. Yep. I feel um, like it lives in that same realm with Benjamin Button when it comes to that kind of stuff. I feel like as an achievement of filmmaking, technical filmmaking, and just how good it looks, I think it is. But I'm with you 100%. I mean, it's without being a fanboy of Alien 3 and being a 12-year-old who was dying to see it in theaters, I can completely understand what you're talking about. So. Yeah, and you know, the only important thing that you know I want to point out about Alien 3 is I do think that that experience making that movie then informed all of Fincher's choices after that. Sure. Um, for those who are unfamiliar, Fincher had a really difficult time with the studio. And the final product that we get is not Fincher's vision. It's the studio's vision. Very he much. got fired how many times? Off of he it? got fired a lot Twice? of times. Yeah. He didn't yeah. have Two anything to do with the post-production. I, I would watch the, the the new cut that I'm talking about where the, it's the arc and there's different. It just it's it doesn't make it. It will not put us in the top five, but I think you guys would be like, it might solve some like plot holes for you. There's some things that are like answered and you're like, there's a little more cohesion to the story. And then at the end, when she throws herself in, you're like, you have a little bit more invested and you're like, okay, now I'm in the story. And it just, it feels a little bit more of a connective tissue between that and resurrection because resurrection, if you're an alien geek like me is like, like, how did she get to here? How is she being cloned? Cause it's from this whole thing. So from that standpoint, as a fanboy geek out sci-fi, it, it at least makes more, like I said, connective tissue between the, the franchises. So yeah, I would just I would for some reason I felt nothing when she threw herself. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand, <laughs> but I, I'll get you the file. But I, I completely understand. I completely understand why Fincher is right. now a control freak because he got completely shut out of his own movie, which I totally get. Yeah, for sure, and I think it's important that he fights for every single thing that makes up his ultimate vision. He will fight everyone for it. And I think it's because of that first experience where he has a movie that he's not proud of at all. And it's not really what he intended. And he kind of made a vow to himself that like, that's never going to happen again. Anything that has my name attached to it is going to be my vision. And, you know, in in a certain way, I think that's inspiring for an artist to kind of hold to their guns like that, especially when you're as talented as David Fincher is. Mm. And then the other one in the lower tier that I just want to mention is the girl with the dragon tattoo. Mm. I like it. It's not a bad movie. I'd same, but it doesn't stick with me at all. You, you know, know, really, the, the both anal rapes didn't stick with you. <laughs> well, uh, that, <laughs> like, the second one was something. That is something. The first one wasn't something. Yeah, that is something I want to bring up, though. Like, it's remarkable that such a film exists. A know, studio right? film with like a ninety million dollar budget mm-hmm. that includes a rape scene a revenge rape torture scene, and then a torture scene that has Enya in the background going sail Which away. Which is actually my favorite part of that film. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, like, I literally laughed out loud. There's, yeah, there's, like, something was, to... Like, and it's so it twisted. somehow made it funny. funny. No, it yeah. made that scene funny, but, like... Well, the, the interesting thing about that film is that is a remake of a, of a movie Swedish that... a film ba- that was based, based off of a book. book. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the original... 
it's the original is good too, uh, just as intense. Um, I actually like the original because then they actually they went on and made the two other um, books in. The, so there's it's a three movie series, which is like you finally figure out what Elizabeth's uh, father is and all this kind of stuff. Like it's it's really good. And then to then so then to redo it almost like in the same area on the same bridge and like kind of the same shots, not the same shots because they're Fincher shots, but to kind of go through that process, just it felt like. I just was watching the movie. I'm like, why? I completely agree. I just think it's remarkable that such a movie exists. Oh, sure. With, you know, Daniel Craig being tortured. He's James Bond and he's getting tortured. Like, that is just a remarkable thing that exists in this world. Isn't one of the Bond films, doesn't he get like the ball thumper to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll move to the middle tier. Um, The last film that appears in none of our top fives is The Game. I will say that for me, the first time I watched the game, I was completely blown away. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such an engrossing story. It was such an incredible thriller that was so taut and tense throughout. And then the big reveal at the end is, mm-hmm. you know, like a huge surprise. And it did get me. Yeah, yeah it, it mm-hmm. totally got me. Um, yeah, when I first saw it, absolutely. But did you watch it for this? Yeah, and I, I've rewatched I it. I watched it for this. Did and you it, it was my like, first watch. What happens if he jumped off the other side of the room? <laughs> like, no, yeah, like, what, if, what if he chose? What if he chose what, a different side? What, what if he just shot himself in the head? Like, I mean, like, his last and yeah. his last memory was shooting his brother. Yeah, or thinking he shot, shot his, his brother. brother. Like, uh, there was just like, come on, you guys. That's just yeah. And so yeah. that's the, that's the thing is <laughs> it was a bit much. Where a lot of Fincher's films have that kind of big twist, that big reveal. Mm-hmm. I find that all of those are still revisitable and still just as good upon rewatch, even right. though you know what's coming. With the game, I think I've rewatched it like three or four times since, and each time has been less enjoyable because I know exactly what's going to happen, and nothing else really works. Mm-hmm. It's not as tight. Um, you don't. It also, it also feels like it feels like music video after music video. Yeah, that has a through line, but it, it's very. Yeah, it's very shot like a music video. It doesn't have his exactness of of his later films where he's like the camera is placed in an exact area or, you know, like perpendicular or something and moves exactly like Fincher. It it just shows a little bit like to his his frustration about where he would like to put the camera. Mm. And so that's why I think he doubled down at Fight Club. He's like, I want to run it through a building and I'm going to put it through a van and I'm going to, I'm going to come out over his brain over top of a gun. Like, I think that that was when he was just like, I don't like he was in a limbo and he's like, I'm in between a world of, of limitations and a world where I can see something better. So in that way, it's still enjoyable, but I know what you mean. It's like, no, for sure. And I think the game is good. I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed it, but all the other ones that have that twist, there's still so much around it that mm-hmm. is so wonderful and that you can latch onto that it doesn't take away from it. I think the game is reliant on that plot yep. plot twist yep. and that like wow factor the first time you really watch it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, that was super cool. But if it doesn't hold up, it's just like, eh. Okay. Okay. So top five time. And well, we have six left. This is where the first, I think, disagreement comes in. <laughs> You looked at me. What happened? Well, no. I, I, so I'm willing to accept. Well, let's 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 lay the groundwork here. Where are we at? All right. So what we have left is we have Gone Girl. We have Panic Room. We have uh, right. Seven Fight Club. Social Network. Social Network and Zodiac. Those are our six remaining films. Mm-hmm. I will say up front that Panic Room is not my favorite. I right. do respect it as a filmmaking achievement. And mm. I 
really do enjoy what he was able to do with it, but it's not a top five movie for me. I know you guys disagree, so let's make the case for Panic Room. What do you guys got? I and I know I kind of already mentioned this. Wait, are but, you on my side? Yeah. Yeah, we're on oh, the same side cool, on this. Cool, cool, you cool. and I didn't talk about this, right. but I am very much a fan of Panic Room. I, I I don't know. It was it still has that sort of really dark vibe where like you think it's going to be this really serious thriller where it kind of turned out to be while it was in a way still a thriller kind of wacky and fun i really feel wacky. like it was dude <laughs> all right I, I, i'll give you give me all right this oh, and, and to back if you're gonna time. if you're gonna laugh at that the scene with the gas and she takes the lighter and and, and it goes back to jared leto and leto's just trying to figure that out junior when junior's trying to like sure, sure. not be on fire and not be burning alive and trying to like figure out how to kill the pain right right yeah come on he was a little like yeah it had yeah, also it Jared Leto with cornrows. That's right. also I mean, Jared Leto with cornrows. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Fincher was just like, yeah, let's put some cornrows on this guy. Like I think that was like <laughs> I, great. I don't know. I, He's smoking. I thought it was a more crack or whatever the whole time. It's like, all right, great. I said this to Corey. I, I really feel like it was an adult version of Home Alone. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I it's never even thought of that. Version of it's Home a more intense, intense version, version of Home Alone. <laughs> It doesn't always feel like the captors or the people who are basically getting, you know, their house broken in on uh, are always in control as it did with Kevin in Home Alone. Right. But we get there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I'm with you. I think it's, I like that. It's a it's a uh, Willy Wonka is like saw for children. <laughs> like. So yeah, so it has like a different vibe to it, but I, I I like the performances. I think that I hadn't watched it in a while, and I found myself just on the edge of my seat watching it, even though I know what happens in the whole film. I mean, Dwight Yoakam is a as just a stone cold killer, just 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 dead eyed psycho, just like <laughs> fuck, I'm gonna fuck him up, and then at the end. Um, yeah, homage to Stanley Kubrick when um, I think it's the killing when all the money is just like thrown away on the on the tarmac and like he's just like all the bonds are out of his hand. But yeah, so I, I don't I I I think it was uh, if you're talking about a lot of the Fincher films that maybe misfired in terms of being on the top 10 that had all the 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 artistic uh, creativity and camera movement uh, technically executed to, you know, to perfection. Spatial awareness, just Spatial in terms awareness. of where everyone was. And yeah, one location, mm-hmm. uh, Kubrickian, Hitchcockian, all the Ickians. Like, <laughs> like, I just, he kind of like, I think without it, Zodiac would not be where it is on my top five. Um, I think he learned, not learned a lot, because well, we all learn all the time, but I think he stretched a lot of different, and scratched, uh, you know, muscles and scratched a lot of itches with that. And I think it, I don't know, I think it holds up. It's probably not number one, but it's definitely in top five. In no, I, no, I mean, it's not number one for me, but it's... It's better it's, than Gone Girl, that's for goddamn sure. <laughs> but no, Panic Room, I, I also think, like, I love Jodie Foster. She's great. From from Sound Slims, it's like, she just puts in that's such great. badass fucking performances. And in this movie, she's she's great. It's I mean... Funny, fight Plan, too. So she, like, likes these enclosed, yeah. like, like, single stage... Um, kind of play like uh, tense thrillers that are kind of just she just has the she's got the chops for it I don't know what it is about yeah. her and how I relate to her but if I figure that out like then I'll figure out how to even write better and do better in the future but she yeah she kills it man I don't know that's that's like no I, I, I completely agree with a lot of the points you guys are making I think especially 
the fact that he was able to make a one location place mm-hmm. and not so feel claustrophobic and so thrilling. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I mentioned to you guys when we were talking beforehand was the way that he's able to establish where you are at all times. It feels like, you know, the house yes. and that's so important to the movie. And it, it has to do with those digitized kind of tracking shots that yep. he does where he's going through walls and through windows and into different rooms. And he's basically oh, laying beautiful. out the whole space so that you know where you are at all times. And it's so essential to the movie. So I think that in that way, like, even though I don't particularly enjoy it, I respect it in the mm-hmm. what he was able to do there. Dude, I mean, in the beginning, like he does that. I mean, he does it to a, to a certain degree, but when those robbers show up, he does it in five minutes. He literally follows oh, them so through good. the yeah. house back down, like, and then there, and then the now back. you know exactly where everyone is and how they lay out. Yeah, I mean, that's just brilliant. It, it so. is. It, it's 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 remarkable, yeah, and yeah. I think you know that is a great thing. So, what I'll say is. I will accept Panic Room at number five. Okay. Any higher than that, I would have a hard time with. I'm, I can let it live at five. I could let it live at five. All right. So the other one that was in contention, my personal five is Gone Girl. You know, we've talked about it extensively on the Magnetic Movie Villains podcast. It's my number five, too, which is funny. But wait, wait is, is, so the, the wife is the villain, then? Yeah, Amy Dunn. Really? Not I if feel you like talk ben to Affleck, Micah. Ben not Affleck's if you talk villain, to Micah. Yeah, Ben Affleck's a villain, guys. Come on now. Ben Affleck well, doesn't no. murder anyone. Let's be real. We've already had this discussion, right, gotcha. <laughs> but you're um, wrong. We're I'm just so, saying. <laughs> but me and Micah do agree on that, right? Because I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like, you guys yeah. agree on that one. Yeah. And, you know, I think. Shout out to you, buddy. We uh, <laughs> we've talked about that movie extensively, so I don't have to say too much. I'm willing to leave Gone Girl out of the top five. The one thing I will say, I disagree with you that Ben Affleck is bad in this. Okay. And the hmm. reason why is because. David Fincher cast Ben Affleck to be Ben Affleck. This is a movie about Ben Affleck. There's the scene in this <laughs> where he goes, you know, at first they hated me and then they liked me and now they dislike me and now they love me again, where he's talking about after that's the true. interview. It's literally just about Nick Dunn as Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, this movie is about. David Fincher made that movie. And I think yeah, that's brilliant. Carrie Coon's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Pike. Uh, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund. Okay, mm-hmm. why, why am I going to... I want to call Roseanne, but that's not it. Uh, she's fantastic. Tyler Perry is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry actually is a fantastic fella. I've met him and worked for him. Magnanimous fella. You, you I, don't give me that look. He's awesome. I wasn't giving a look. I, 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 I do not care for his films, but I think that that man's a genius in a lot of ways, um, media-wise. I um, respect what he does. I do, too. I, very much sure. so. But I think that you're right. I think overall... Affleck hold his weight by just being himself. Is that something that I want to watch over and over? <laughs> that being said, I've seen the film three times now, and I've I haven't disliked the experience. I Corey clearly somehow, keep going back to watch the film. So I did not like it the first time just because, and it was a complete bias against Ben Affleck. And then Corey went on about it forever, and he convinced you. Well, and then I watched <laughs> it again, and you know. Having a little more of an open mind, mm-hmm. I very much enjoy it. And a lot of it is because of Rosamund Pike's performance in it, and mm-hmm. she's a complete badass in it. When she drenches herself in Neil Patrick Harris's blood, I'm just like, I'm, I'm on board. I'm that there. Yeah, I'm there for it. One of the most remarkable pieces of filmmaking in terms of how he sets it all up. And, you know, we've yeah, discussed sure, all this before, but he sets it all up, and then the score, the swelling score that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor do mm-hmm. for that where it's just so ominous and sinister. 
it's just a remarkable piece of filmmaking. Like one of the best things that I think he's done, like in terms of like the scene, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really incredible scene. You haven't seen something like that from him in, in quite some time, like, or at all. Really. No. And it's, it's just got a level of shock value that really works. Dude, shock but it's value. all, I, I can't get that scene where she's literally with the bottle. I can't, it's just like in my head. No, it's ingrained in your like, memory. Like, yeah. for sure. He doesn't try and shy away from no, showing doesn't. you the uncomfortable parts. He does not. No, <laughs> no. So no. You know, I'll, I'll accept gone girl as number six. Um, but I, I do I'll think accept it's a great... it as number five. If you accept panic room as number four. Absolutely not. Well, not. <laughs> oh, come on. How about a tie? A five, Wait, five hold on. Tie. All right. See, here's gone the thing girl, is that I don't, room tie? I don't know we how this tie ties are like kissing your sister. Oh, you do ties all the time. Are you fucking kidding me? Don't give me this shit. When I make the rules. Exactly. That's exactly i know and that's why i'm calling bullshit on this hypocrisy at its worst right here so wait where the fuck is social network for you me yeah Let's go back i think it's uh pretty much up there it's uh oh god exactly it is nowhere in my top five it's three for me oh god all right so uh, all right no this right, is so- this is where i'm getting a little I don't know if I agree with the way this is going anymore. Well, I think you're just absolutely wrong, and that's going to come to light very soon. Um, so, Panic Room number five, are we comfortable with that? Uh, yeah, I am. I, I just don't like that it's knocking Gone Girl out, and then Social Network is still somewhere in here, but... We'll revisit. Whatever. Yeah. So, I'm going to go Panic Room number five. I think that works. I I like that. Um, number four, I'm going to say should probably be Fight Club. You know, we discussed Fight Club quite a bit already. I think that it's a remarkable indictment of capitalism mm-hmm. um, and this idea of tearing down the system. I think it's a pretty good indictment of toxic masculinity. I think anyone who thinks that it glorifies violence and that goes to start their own Fight Club is missing the entire point yes. of the movie and they're dumb. Yes, so while you can't or an 18 year old boy who just who just literally is in a soup of their own hormones. It's like, no, oh, this is great. And you're like, no, no, like, and no, you're yeah. missing it. You're Cause a lot of those point. people I was talking about, cause that came out when we were all 18, 19, those people have gone on to sense me like, Oh no, I get it now. And you're like, you're an adult. Like, like you got it. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, but it's hard to ignore that criticism Absolutely. of like how it speaks to teenage boys in that way. And like, I, you can't put that on him. No, I, I, it was never his intention, right? but it is still an outcome of the film that he made. Um, I still think it's very good. I think Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are throwing a thousand in this. I think mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Helena Bonham Carter is she's killing it. Oh my god, she's so phenomenal in this. Like she's one of it's because of her like or like her performance in this movie where like I feel like when she's in other films when people aren't talking about her enough it upsets me because I feel like she's she's a remarkable actress. She's a fantastic actress, and you people do not appreciate how much value she brings to the movies you watch understand that mm-hmm. all those tim burton movies yeah, yeah I, she's I, fantastic no. yeah apparently she smoked like three packs a day for that film fight club yeah she's well yeah her voice just sounds for, like it yeah, so it works just for that i mean god i feel like so did so so did brad pitt yeah no they put on phenomenal performances and and as much as i like to make fun of jared leto jared leto was very good in that as well he played his role incredible i just i feel like the nation got to punch what's his name in um in the my so-called life i I don't know i feel like you got to look this one up 
everyone hated we had him for like being now. like like hold music uh, terrible to like the main character. character yeah and like the, i think america just wanted to to just disfigure him also and so fincher allowed us to allowed do play, that yeah, like, like the release because we're fucking we perverts remember that Jared Leto's face. <laughs> we, really are. Um, we got to feel it no, so right called, as soon as he comes wanted out. to destroy something beautiful, like it's a that's a heck of a line, though. Yeah, it's a heck of a line. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I understood that. I felt that. Jordan Calano. <laughs> yeah, man, we all wanted to beat the shit out. There's of a him. payoff. Yeah. 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 There's a payoff. <laughs> that whole movie was just to beat the shit out of Jared Leto. But they made it. I mean, hell, I didn't think that Meatloaf was ever an actor until I saw this. Yeah, Dwight Yoakam, for that matter. I mean, he seems to take Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, he it's a country blowing, singer. I know, blowing yeah. my mind. Yeah. He uh, Fincher I think does an amazing thing where I think he finds the best in people who they are by breaking them down. By breaking them down. Yeah, yep. like and I think then he, Ben Affleck. And that's no and I and I 100% agree with you on that on that point for sure. I think that's why he did it. I think he actually got Ben Affleck at the time where Ben Affleck was trying to be the most Ben Affleck he could be like guy like he I think Ben Affleck did at the park. Yeah, he's right out of the park. <laughs> Oh, nice, dude. But yeah, I think so. I think that that's definitely been like, I think he shows a lot of these Hollywood people. He's brought people back. He's destroyed, not destroyed people, but he's probably brought people to another thought. And I think working for him actually is probably a cathartic experience if you're ready for it. I do yeah, not. Sure. I, 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 I am not comfortable with Fight Club at four. I think I'm, I could settle with it at three and having social network at four. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work, though. Because I don't see where, how that won't. Where's Fight Club on your ranking of the top five? Third. Okay. Where is it on yours? I think it's fifth. Right. Four makes sense. Okay. But what okay. is it? Social Network is at three on yours? Yep. And it's one on mine. One on yours. And it's not even in the, like, I don't, it might be 10 on mine. Does that bring it to four? That, that, how's your ranking system go, Corey? What's the yeah? What is yeah? What are these this? methods right. that you're working out here? So you just want Social Network to somehow still be up there. No, you can't we all not, know what number one is. Everyone. You cannot sit here <laughs> legitimately. I am. I'm doing it right now. That the social network is below Alien Three and the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yeah. That's a fucking absurd statement. Oh. So you can put it at eight. And I that's might fine. be, or maybe I'm not. I don't know. No, you can Wait, put did, it. At oh, eight did you put it at ten? Fine. Did you put it at the bottom? He can't put it at ten. I'm not allowing it. It's just ridiculous, and it it's kind fucking. Of, no, I'm not, I'm not putting it at ten. All right, so you can put it at eight. Go ahead, put it at eight. It's at eight. Right, no, no, no. Fine. It's absolutely at eight. Don't, don't go ahead and tell me put it at eight. It is at eight. <laughs> okay, good. Jesus so, Christ. Now I'll explain my math and I, why I, I like, I like Fight Club is at four. Okay. So if we consider the places. Oh, Jesus. Panic Room is my number seven. Themes three. Yost's two. So that gives it 13 points. No, it's my four. It's your four? Yeah. Fight Club is my three. 14. All right. My bad. So then. See? So now it's tied with social network on points. Which one, Fight Club? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, if it, <laughs> I'm okay with Social Network and Fight Club being in the top five in any area, as long as they're in the top five. That's, I'm just gonna put that out there, but I'm cool. With I that. think I think Social Network should be at four, and Fight Club is at three. And the reason why? Oh, that's a tough one. Is tough one to no, 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 no. You don't get to get to give the case for why Social Network isn't there. We get to make the case for why it should <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah, No, no, no. I wasn't giving the case why okay. it should be there. So don't jump the gun, sassy right. pants over here. Right. Jeez. Is <laughs> <laughs> because Fight Club. I feel like the nostalgia level has to play a factor there too. That that isn't. It is an entryway movie in a lot of ways. No, absolutely, it, it is for for Fincher. For, for Fincher, works, for yeah. for I think 
Chuck a Pollock. lot of people in the movie. Chuck Pollock, I think for Edward Norton. I think Edward Norton. I started I started looking into Edward Norton more because mm-hmm. of that movie. Brad Pitt, I had a full on appreciation. I had it. You had a full on fully for Brad. Pitt. I was about to say that it yep. just it. You, you and let's not and let's not just, let's not deny. Come on, you. This is the hottest <laughs> Brad Pitt has ever looked. You're right, and that is an excellent point. I'm sorry for cutting you off before. Um, what I will say in response to that, before I give my case for social network, which I think should be three, I think we already kind of have a big time nostalgia pick in the top two already. Seven? Yeah. And I, I'll, we'll no. get to that more, but I, well, we already have that nostalgia entryway piece. Like, I think that's... For you, counting. Fight Club was that for me. Okay. Can we make the case for social network? You, and you I don't have to case? ask me permission. I think we're on the same. We're on the same team here. I, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So John mentioned this before. Fincher is able to make intellectually property intellectual property law exciting. Yeah, that is that. a remarkable achievement in and of itself. I think from a filmmaking perspective, I've never seen someone utilize music so perfectly. The score that Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor do, you know, there's two scenes that I want to point out. The one is right after the intro bar scene with the date, mm-hmm. he's walking home yep. and it's got this somber piano piece that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And it, oh, I remember, no, no, just, I've seen just, that movie a lot. No, so. just as Corey says it, just keep going. <laughs> Dude, and it works so perfectly, like you feel it. And then as he gets closer and closer to the dorm, you start getting these like, ominous bass bursts because his feeling is changing from that feeling of being sad about being broken up with to like more the revenge, which Mm -hmm. he's about to get. So like that, and then the absolutely stunning remix that they do of, um, In the Hall of the Mountain King. That's I'm, it. So they I'm almost going to allow this to be a three just because of him. <laughs> they remixed In the Hall of the Mountain King for that regatta scene. And like that regatta scene is just, I don't know how you make crew and intellectual property law so exciting. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. It's some of the most boring <laughs> subjects on the planet. And like, I'm just riveted. We just, I actually watched it with uh, Laura, my wife, and she had never seen it before. And she just was like, this is a fantastic film. I don't like Mark Zuckerberg, but this is a fantastic film. I was like, I don't think you're supposed to like Mark Zuckerberg. No, Jesse Eisenberg think... is great in it. So that soundtrack, 100%, that's that's Ghosts 1 through 4. That's that's older, not older material, well, older material from Nine Inch Nails that was then repurposed by Atticus Ross and himself. Uh, I mean, won an Oscar, I believe. Fantastic. Yep. And then you have, um, what's his name? Why am I blanking? The screenwriter. The guy that wrote Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Thank you. So that was my other Uh, point that I think this is the best script that he's ever done where you get this combination of Aaron Sorkin and his dialogue Mm -hmm. and then you put that through a lens of David Fincher and his very nihilistic, uh, perverted view of Mm -hmm. humanity. And so... And then you soundtrack it with Nine Inch Nails. Exactly. It's like, I mean, that's... You can't... I'm sorry, Beam. You just you're just dumb. I'm, I'm just <laughs> and so this this it's is my great favorite. Film. <laughs> this is my favorite Fincher movie. And the reason for me that it's my favorite is I think it's so incredibly prescient in the way that it essentially predicted what's going to happen with yes. social media. Yeah, like this happened in 2010 before we really knew that the the true nature of it. Mm-hmm. 
And if you take the opening scene, he goes on a date with Erica Albright. He gets broken up with. Mm-hmm. Take the ending scene. He's sitting on a computer alone by himself, waiting and refreshing a page for her friend request. Which is hilarious because he's the owner of Facebook. He could probably just write some code and make her his friend. Right. And so this movie is about how people destroy their own personal relationships in real life and end up all by themselves, which is literally what social media has done to people. And they were able to predict this in 2010 and really make a remarkable Mm -hmm. film about it. That's exciting. That's funny. Mm -hmm. um, That makes Mark Zuckerberg look like an asshole, which he is. I just, I I mean, I think he's just, I think he's just another one of those sociopathic uh, insane people that don't live in our world, don't live in our social plane, don't want to deal with our rules. And, and I think he wanted to make a movie about someone like himself a little bit. And I think he actually kind of ends up being, I'm, I'm sad for him at the end. I'm actually sad in life generally for Mark Zuckerberg, but like he just look, it looks like the saddest existence on the planet to me personally. But, right. And the social yeah. network captures that perfectly yeah. that by the end, he's burnt every bridge. He's yeah. lost every real life friend. And the yeah. only thing he's left with is refreshing a page mm-hmm. of a friend request of a girl that broke up with him five on years ago, like on his own website. If that isn't <laughs> yeah. such a perfect representation of where social media has taken us, I don't know what is. So like, like, no, I social network is my favorite fincher movie and i would have a hard time with it being below three you know i could it, it's in the top five no matter what i'd have a hard time with four i could accept it but three is where it belongs in my opinion i i given I, all of our things i would i would i'm with that i would totally be cool with that dean no i i still don't i still <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that. All right. Did you pass out during that? Co- that uh, no, situation? actually, no. I, 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 does it capture all those points that you talked about? Yes, but in my mind, what it just looked to me was a bunch of people arguing and quibbling over how much money they're going to make off this Which thing I and think who came up with the idea that, first. That's the whole. I mean, right, that, and, that's and, like the whole point. And I just thing. didn't care. I just did not care. Dude, there's definitely movies I've watched and people are like, this is amazing. They're like, so that's the point of it. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I don't like it. That's that's all it was <laughs> So to I get me. that. I get that. I know their films. I get that. I totally yeah. Get that. It, it, it wasn't something that was compelling to me. And maybe it's just because so much time has passed without me having seen this when it came out. Yeah. So your opinion is a little bit irrelevant. Oh, no, damn. <laughs> no. I was going to say Corey's probably just going to be like, whatever. No, you, no, you just want your your <laughs> argument to win here. That's the only reason why you're saying that, that it makes it irrelevant. Um, so in terms of what you said about the game, then in terms of a rewatch, then. So how is that still the same? I mean, this didn't age well. It has, no, it, it did. You're just missing the point. It aged perfectly well yeah. because it's predicted everything yeah. that's happened with social media. But I don't think it's that's actually like, even better now. Watching it actually the other day even was better even now. better than when I watched it in 2010. And I actually, I I remember I really got hooked into the score because I like Ghost 1 through like 4. The score is like very that good. Stuff and, and, and so I just kind of was like digging on that. But it was like, oh, this is perfectly well written. Whether you like, whether you, again, I think Fincher's little all his films come down to they're just they're they're really well crafted pieces of cinema your only real argument is you just don't like it you just don't or you just don't connect to the the material yeah the storyline the fact that it's really well done right yeah I mean, you know Social that's Network fair, is a really well done film just because you don't care that white people arguing in a room is just because it's not interesting for you you can't argue the fact though that it's not a really well done film 
That's, I think that's where Corey's at. With that oh, I know that he's argument. arguing that too. Well, Corey, what is your system? Don't care. What is your what does your system put it at? My system puts it at a tie between a fight club and social network because at three? At three. So But apparently my ranking is just completely flawed. Well, well it, it is. But <laughs> nonetheless, the point system Don't make eye contact one. with me while you do that. <laughs> I'm looking at the screen. It's my one, it's beams eight, it's Yost three, which gives it twelve points. Fight Club is my four, Beams three, Yost's five, which also gives it 12 points. So mm. it really is a tie for third on a point system. Well, let's let's keep moving and see right where we're at with the other ones and see how it can shake out, right? Well, no, the, the, the last two are pretty much consensus, I think. Yeah. What are the last two? So seven and Zodiac is what's left. I think my seven is, I think I have seven down at five or four, but I'm definitely okay with it being... Yeah, both of us have it at two, I think. I have Zodiac at one. I have Zodiac at one as well. I have it at three, um, yeah. but I am perfectly comfortable with it being at number one. I love Zodiac. Like, all three, Social Network, Zodiac, and Seven are perfect films to me. I would be completely comfortable with any of them at number one. It doesn't really matter to me um, with those three. Like, those three are interchangeable. So you're just you're just fighting over one point here. Yeah, I, I just I'm all right. I just I want to know. I just want to understand the level. This is my first time on this. On this, <laughs> this is the first time we've I'm, done first, something. I'm wondering, like I'm wondering is what level you're willing to go to, like, just get this done. I'm like, yeah, we'll put it wherever you want. But you guys, I'm, like, no. I'm becoming fatigued and just ready to give up. Uh, <laughs> well, all I'll say is, like, I've Chat already conceded Panic Room into the top five. So, like, I'm yeah. willing to compromise. Oh, you think this is like a fair is fair kind of thing? It. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't fighting about it. He did not. He actually. Stop being belligerent about the social network. So. I don't know if I'm being belligerent. A little bit. So how is that belligerent? Five is panic room. No, 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 no. How is this belligerent? Three is the social. That makes zero sense. Unwilling to concede anything is belligerence. I think I did concede things in that in that conversation. I concede. I think what he's saying is that that the the, that the uh, the argument was made on both sides, and one side listened, and the other one really didn't. I did. But you're unwilling to concede that it's the third best <laughs> film, and you might be wrong about this one. No, I said I was going to give up on fatigue. Right. Yeah, cool. But we, still unwilling to say you were Corey, wrong. Corey, we wore him down. Good job, buddy. All right. So <laughs> four Fight Club, three Social Network. Our top two, I think, are the same. I, I Seven and Zodiac. Seven and Zodiac. I, I would move seven up if that's where we're at. I, I definitely have no problem with it. It's a great film. So. so who wants to make the case for seven? I mean, do we need to? Not really, um, but we got to talk about it a little <laughs> right, yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, sure, like, yeah, sure. I can watch it. The movie's so beautifully shot, even though it's a fucking horrific movie. Yeah. Oh, that fucking guy who like has sex with a prostitute. With yeah, no, that one like, is always going to stick with me. Oh. The way he's just screaming. Again, the way he uses music, and it's that yeah. loud, really intense techno. It's like, all music, industrial it's music. so <laughs> disorienting, yeah. and it's like... That's the state of mind of this guy. That's the state of mind of the police officer walking in. And on that's the a point of like, I feel like a lot of yeah. Fincher's work. It's that it's meant to just disorient you. Like you're just meant to be just completely out of your wits and just. Well, the funny thing, not you, have your head on straight. You mentioned before uh, with some of his later works and especially I've, I've known people that worked with him on House of Cards in the camera department and how he likes to this whole like 45 page Bibles on how to move the camera perpendicular to certain angles and like how motion well, he's very how, precise, very precise. But and in a way that we talked about and I agree with you after I would say around Panic Room, maybe starting with the game, you started, like you said, kind of realizing spatial and like trying to put you in different spaces where seven take place. 
in hell. Like, it right? does, like, it does what feel like in the depths of hell. Chicago? Well, it's shot in L.A., but like... But, it's well, an yeah. unnamed city yeah. that's constantly raining, like, yep. that's so dark. Right. Like, it's taking place in purgatory yeah. or hell. It, but it, I also yeah, feel... It, 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 they keep saying this city, this city. They never say what city is. Yep. There's never really indiscernible. There are, like, if you live in Los Angeles, apparently there are, like, oh, that building, I know that building. There are some things, I don't know that because I don't live there. But that place is just... It amount it just lives like you said like in purgatory or hell you live it almost feels so intentional to pull you away from that so the one thing i do want to say about seven is you know you you mentioned how he's a psychopath and uh, you know, we've talked about how he has a very low opinion of humanity one of the remarkable things i think about fincher is how he is able to establish a relationship with all of his characters mm-hmm. and you know, in this in this movie, I think often about the dinner scene between Mills and Somerset and Tracy mm-hmm. and how it really makes you feel the love that David Mills has for his wife. Yeah. And that one then scene. ultimately yeah. makes the last scene so incredibly heartbreaking in so many ways and makes it so mm-hmm. much more effective. Like he might not have a very uh, high opinion of humanity, given how that ends up. But he knows how to manipulate it, you into feeling something for these mm-hmm. characters. Like, we'll mix that with it. the scene with, where where she comes uh, to Somerset at, to the di- at the diner at and the reveals diner. the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get I get emotional every Absolutely. time. I well, it. I think it's that he. So. It's almost like Fincher. Like he he just knows how to to get you, how to prick you in, in in different points, or just how to get under your skin in certain ways. What's the actual last line? Isn't it like? Someone said the Thoreau oh, or something. Like, oh, yeah, the world is a wonderful place, place and we're, er, worth fighting worth for. fighting for. I agree with the second. part. I agree part, with the second right. part. Yeah, yeah. Which so, I mean, it's kind I of. I kind of agree with that as well. Too. Like, yeah, I don't I think the world is a very good place at all. I think there's a lot of terrible things going on in the world, but it's worth fighting for as a human to make it better. I would agree with. So I, so I, I, I when we talk about this, and this is kind of probably come full circle. I think you're right. I think he has a certain view on the world as an artist and a director but i think just like i'm kind of with him on some of those thoughts i'm also on my other side of my human i'm also very much like but this can be fixed and we can do it together like i i do have it uh otherwise i think he wouldn't get out of bed like i don't think he would no so interestingly (laughs) though he he and morgan freeman have talked about this they didn't want that line included it was supposed to be david mills shooting him six times and then just cut to black No, no i'm sorry no no no, I think that line was 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 very perfect. much needed. It was, it, I mean, yeah, it encapsulated the movie. Yeah, uh, that that's that's totally fine, and I I don't disagree. I mm-hmm. I like that, but that was supposed to be the ending. It was just supposed to cut to black. No happy one liner at the end. Like it's still a bleak ending. Well, I don't think I it's a think, happy one liner. I think it's no, a no. realistic one liner. I think that movie is about realism. No, it is. But ways. I and I think what's kind of cool is that it was it sort of encapsulated the uh, the arc of 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 that character though. Yeah, uh, Somerset. Somerset because is the main Somerset, character of the film. Somerset Absolutely. was completely jaded by everything. You know, nothing was new to him. Like, I, so I have this quote here that I kind of think sort of encapsulated it. They come to like I think the I don't know if it's the first or the second killing, but he just they heard the guns go off both barrels. Crime of passion. William just responds, or Somerset just goes, "Yeah, look at the passion all over the wall." You know, it's or you know, look Somerset, at all the passion. We're gonna all the be wall. really yeah. happy to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this movie a lot. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, no, that's I, like the, the thing. Oh, sorry. Corey, go ahead. No, I, I think this is the second best script he's ever done. Like the lines in this. Who wrote the, this? 
this was Andrew Kevin Walker. Oh. And it was his first script. And what a hell of a script. Yeah, that's, that was amazing. The first one. Yeah, that's a big one. And I, I think often about the car scene at the end when they're driving to mm-hmm. the final location and the back yeah. and forth with that. And, you know, you're a fucking T-shirt. No one's going to remember you. And, like, people are going to study me. Like, that whole interchange between them and the way Fincher shoots it, like, through the metal grate. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, you're never with John Doe. You don't understand. He's on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. And, like, that, the framing of that, that whole scene is just remarkable. I, 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 I return to this movie often, and it sticks with me every single time I... I think it's brilliant. Well, look, uh, looked at his other films too, uh, how he shoots a, uh, you know, a dialogue scene. He's, he's quite good at it. He's, oh, it always reminds me of some like the Coen brothers, how they'll shoot, they'll shoot dirty over the shoulder. And as they get you closer, they'll clean shoot the close-ups. And like, I mean, it's, and that is just like, not even just Fincher, any director, uh, or team of artists that are making these films. When you see something like that, you're like, that's a calling card of a person or persons that are understanding of how to actually shoot and cover a scene correctly to actually um, pull an emotion out of you without you even fucking knowing about it. Because you're like, you know, like you're talking about there, but like the first time I saw that, I never in my, I never noticed that he's always behind a cage. But then you watch it like, oh, he's always been a fucking cage. Like and that's that's, a, that's a that's a design. That's, that, a, that, that's why this movie works despite you knowing what's going right. to happen at the end because right. you pick up on all these little nuances of what he's doing. Right. Um, and that's why I think Seven is so wonderful. Well, the one thing I think is kind of interesting, yeah. and I don't know if there's an explanation of this, or it's just putting the spotlight on Mills and just to see like, okay, you've seen the worst. What's your reaction when it happens to you? But throughout this entire movie as you said, raining the entire time Mm -hmm. up until the very end. Yep. Completely light out sunlight, you know. Yeah, all that rain was manufactured rain. I mean, none of that was... Right, I understand that. (laughs) I understand that part of it. So that was definitely a choice, for sure. Right. But I just wonder, though, just in terms of that, like, is that why it's so light out at that time? I think think it has a couple meanings. I think John Doe's plan is coming to light, literally. Mm -hmm. I think... You know, you're shining a light on Mills and his character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I that, that does bring me to one thought that I had about this is, you know, there isn't actually any violence in this movie. You only ever. It's all implied. In. Exactly. Mills is the only one who is like violent on screen and actually kills someone on screen. True. Right. So, yeah. like, I think it is. It, it's it's, you know, it's Somerset's movie. Right. Yeah. John Doe is the linchpin of who makes things happen in Somerset's story. And Mills is the one who everything happens to, you know, he's wrath. Yeah. You know, Mills, when you talked about it, that scene about like fucking Dante, he's very much established as kind of a dummy. Yeah. He's a very good, he's a good guy at heart, but he's, he's, he wants to be a good cop, but it's just, there's something about Somerset where he has that intellectual level where he's able to make these connections that Mills can't, which I think leads him to be more, you know, susceptible to John Doe's provocations, but it's just, I I think what, what, what it kind of is, is like John Doe is a personification of evil. Somerset is this exhausted shepherd who is so tired of trying to find the right in the world who Mills is the everyman i think you almost could say too to. the light gets turned on right. when this happens for him like because he's so and that's what i was trying to he's say so far he's gone. so fucking jaded up until this moment yeah this gets him and he and and something clicks with him like that line at the end and that's 
Uh, fuck, man. Maybe I'll make this my. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, no, uh, just movie. think about that. Like it's it's it, it is wild on that level to be able to make a character and his story reflect like that when. As much as you almost kind of think that, you know, Morgan Freeman's character is sort of the cursory background character where it's, yes, you're right. It's, it's about him this entire time. Yeah, absolutely. And well, I mean, you know, you, you just, I, I think, I think what the brilliance of the story is, is that it allows you guys to even just go this further into it. Uh, no, no matter how you're thinking about it or how it's actually been interpreted or how it's been written or how it's been shown because it was so well done. You're like, well, let's even think further. And that's a good piece of artwork. Anytime you can go, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, well, that's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful, but this. It's beautiful, but this, this, and this. Those are the reads. You go backwards and, and forwards. Every piece. single it's, thing yeah, has a meaning. And yeah, it's so important to it. And, yeah. you know, I do think that kind of leads us into what is our number one pick. And, you know, I, I feel great about it at number one is Zodiac and all the choices here. And, Fantastic you know, film. the Zodiac. one thing, and I, I want to let y'all kind of make your case for it because... It's both of your favorites. The one thing I do want to say, you know, you mentioned how Fincher might have an akin or a relationship with the Zodiac killer and like kind of feels for him. Um, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for him after watching this movie. But no, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing that I think about this is Fincher grew up in Marin County at this time. He was, oh, really? he was in his early teens and teen years when oh, the Zodiac was going on his killing spree in okay. Northern California. So, you know, Fincher has talked about how maybe besides Mank, because of the connection with his father writing it, right. this is his most personal film where he really feels the story because he grew up with right. the Zodiac. And I think what's really remarkable about this movie, and I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it a little bit more, but the terror that the Zodiac killer spread across that area and that David Fincher probably felt himself sure. is palpable throughout this film. I think too. And it's, but it's tough to even think about it, like being who we are today to be terrified by a serial killer. I think right now, if there was a serial killer around Albany area, I would, I, I got more things to be worried about right now. Yeah. You wouldn't bat an eye. There's, there's other, there's a lot, a lot going on right now, but like, so this not saying that there was a lot going on in the seventies, but like summer Sam, all these, all these things that were like localized. I, that's interesting. I didn't know that about the California thing with the connection on that, but I think it was not our country's first taste with this stuff, but I, I think it was just kind of like, it was the first kind of taste with news and media covering. I mean, not just the first, but that whole area in the seventies and stuff like that covering uh, hijackings. So uh, serial killers, like, you know, round lock your door. I mean, this be- became the age of you started locking your door. Like, so I think that the reason I'm not saying that I, uh, I admire this, the Zodiac killer. I just think that this person or persons, if you want to talk about that, actually took advantage or was smart enough to understand that they were in a time and place in the world and society where they actually could just skirt around all the things that people took for granted, people were okay with, and just, like, you know, I think that the randomness of the killings and all this kind of stuff was was intentional. And that was, like, there to fuck with everyone. And that was the most terrifying part about it. And But I'm with you 100%. I mean, not only did he do a good job with making you a part of that and like maybe feel like you were part of that time and era and that place. But I mean, just like just, I mean, just scenes where like you're that woman is being stabbed in that park and you're just the camera, the camera is right there. And that's in broad daylight. That feels like daylight. And and that also feels like one of the more like 
I mean, other brighter. than when I saw, uh, no, not not just brighter, but uh, other than when I saw oh, the girl with the dragon tattoo, one of the more visceral scenes I've ever seen him shoot. Or in film, man. I mean, for or me, in film, yeah. Just when he rolls her over yeah. and then starts stabbing her in this, I was just, just like, just, why are just, we doing this? Just the camera at head level while right. they are being stabbed to death. In a park. As if you're laying down and just right, watching just kind of like sitting right, right there. It's, 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 it's great. I mean, it's not like he invented that, but it was a great use of it for sure. Holy shit, dude. No. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the, I mean, the violence, some of it is kind of beautifully done. It's sort of in a way that I, I would say the beginning oh, shot the when the, when the, when the two the, in the car, mm-hmm. yeah. Where he just gets shot, and it's much like in uh, the end scene, and and that's what I it it reminded me of was uh, the end scene where Jack shoots himself in the face in Fight Club. It had that sort of jerking his head to the side, blood mm-hmm. splatter, which you see a couple times in that movie. But like, yeah, it's it had it had those Fincher hallmarks, but it's just so but, well done. I mean, for me, the reason why it's my number one is because it's epic, yeah, but yet incredibly contained team yeah small yeah. and 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 a character piece a character study i mean uh robert downey jr loses his goddamn Hall. mind yeah loses well i mean that I, you know he, he, I mean, he was gone time, before looking all these characters up as real people and understanding how this kind of went down and kind of the hysteria that it spread through an area that was also i mean this is also keep in mind this is the uh, first time I mean, you know, I obviously wasn't around for that. My parents are telling me about the end of the 60s and Altima and the end of the hippie era and the beginning of like hard drugs and like total, a certain amount of crime and understanding of how we do things. It just it, it there was a shift between the 60s and 70s that we will never actually be able to. Uh, we'll never get back to it. Uh, whoever this person or persons might have been, because that was the best part about it is because uh in the film, they used four different people for the quote-unquote Zodiac killers and all those different scenes. The one guy that they used at the plane walkers uh, had the watch at the end. They used him in one of the scenes because they're kind of putting him as the main suspect. So you have you heard his voice at one point, but then it's like, yeah, it's like, the very yeah, yeah, like, oh, with that, the two yeah. stabbing. Yeah. That, that was him. And that Who one, has yeah. squirrels and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Mm. Arthur Lee Allen. Arthur Lee. I I, I think. Everyone seems to think that he was there, but there is like this other theory that like that guy in the basement was with the movie coasters. Yeah, and like just yep. that moment, just that moment, he's like, "Not many places has basements." You coming, and he goes down there mm-hmm. and he sees a Florida Creek. He's like, "This is insane. So this isn't. This is. This is so good." Um, I don't know exactly where I was going with this, but I think that. Oh yeah, uh, I think whoever that person or persons was really tapped in to that point in time and really took advantage and really had a heyday like and for that it almost was theater it was almost like theater like human theater in 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 life that was just like it actually captured how epic that actually is so that's a long explanation guys i apologize i think another reason why i i I loved it like you said i have season tickets for for david fincher the way he makes movies is 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 the way i i love to view them but also too and maybe this is just from you know being a being a reporter previously was oh yeah i think what was fascinating was the storyline of it all of one the police and the reporters being on a very similar track and almost coming to the same conclusions at the same time just having that sort of parallel track uh which i found really interesting because you know that's that's sort of what a lot of reporters are trying to do you know they're trying to do the work and let the public know when they feel like the public should be knowing this information because they feel it is important for them to know 
the same time the police is finding it out. Mm-hmm. But then there's the complications of that, what that brings about also at the same time, which you also see kind of played out into this movie. And something that I always thought about as a reporter is where how important is it for the public to know this versus how important is it for it to be kept quiet so that the police can do their work mm-hmm. kind of thing? You know, when are the police just saying that to get you off their tail? Right. Versus and when is it actually being helpful either to the investigation or not? So I think it was also kind of interesting too to show this dynamic of the Zodiac killer loving the attentions he's, he is getting, but at the same time, and I'm not saying this for like, and I'm sorry, what was the publication that... Uh, the Examiner? San Francisco Chronicle. The Chron- the Chronicle. It might have been, yeah. Maybe not the Chronicle as much because I think they were trying to weigh the... They were trying to make serious editorial decisions about like how important is this for us to send out to the public versus there are, you also have to take into consideration there's going to be other media members that as much as the Zodiac Killer loves the attention the media loves giving him that attention sure. because that attention because brings in viewership. Ratings, it yeah. drives ratings. It drives up. So I think that, you know, it wasn't played on as much, I feel like in the movie, but it was there. It was an undercurrent and it was a driving force of a lot of decisions that allowed the Zodiac killer to do what the Zodiac killer was doing. And it also, you know, it allowed the reporters to do the work they need to do and make the connections with the detectives that they were able to make. So, well, I think it's interesting, too, the way the film actually is. I feel like the film is almost two films in one. It's a little bit longer mm-hmm. than most, obviously. I mean, that's just the way, it, the way it's structured. But its structure is very interesting because it becomes this cops and robbers or like a cops and killer kind of drama with a certain uh, editorial, like you talk about, like the, the press kind of edge. And then it becomes kind of almost a horror film for one particular person who's continuing in that quest beyond mm-hmm. when everyone has decided to stop giving this guy the time of day. No. And then you're like this. And then that becomes almost dangerous because you're like, holy shit. Now on Grayson, uh, is it Grayson? Yeah. Yes. Robert Grayson. Robert Grayson is, is no longer like kind of protected by being around that. He's kind of out on his own. And that's when that moment again, we culminates, obviously. Well, he was never really in it too, though. At, yeah. He was always on the bench, kind right. of thing. peripheral figure. Yeah, but then when he like, then, but then the when they pass that baton off to him and he gets to it, then the nerds like him were able to like, no, this guy is way smarter than you people. You realize that, right? Let me try to help you figure it out, or let me take it on my own. And then, right. but they're but those people that should have been helping, you know, that should have been quiet and let these nerds kind of figure it out that could help them at least just be safe are gone now. And then he's in the basement with this guy. He just met on a phone call and like, I might be about to be killed like that. And all of a sudden, like the danger becomes really fucking real. And that's no, awesome. And, and, I just love, I mean, that's not awesome for him. <laughs> no, it's not awesome for him. But I also think what's very interesting is once he comes face to face, this guy that he has been obsessed with himself, right? You know, apart from everyone else. Oh yeah, when he co- walks in the hardware store. When he walks in the hardware store and he gets eye to eye with him. Yeah. He it's almost like he's just like, ooh, just got way too hot for me. I'm out. No, like he, once he, just, he finally he, actually came face to face and like once you actually have to do <laughs> the work kind of thing. I think once you have to, to confront the guy, he's just like, ooh. I think okay. he just wanted to know that that was him. Yeah, that was and his whole goal. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. guy just looked at him like, yeah, it's me. And yeah, like, but I think uh, like he also <laughs> felt that tension and got out. Right. So. The one, the only point that I wanted to make, just in addition, Fincher made a movie called The Zodiac about the Zodiac killer, but really it's not even about that. The central characters, the three central characters are Robert Graysmith, uh, Dave Toschke, and Paul Avery. Mm-hmm. 
And what the movie is really about is their unraveling, their mm-hmm. personal unraveling because of the events of this. Dave mm-hmm. Koski is discredited from the force and actually considered as a suspect of the his Zodiac. Own, right. His own investigation. Yep. Paul Avery drinks himself to death on a fucking houseboat. And Robert Graysmith's whole family life falls apart yeah. because of his obsession with this. So, But also, when she married him, the first date, it became the obsession with yeah. the Zodiac. So, sorry, you kind of knew what you were getting into because yeah. you were participating Fool me in twice, it. can't fool him again. <laughs> From but the yeah. drop. But really, it's about like these obsessive perfectionists who like want to do this, but who really aren't able to so fincher made a movie about himself yeah pretty much and like i think that's and why we come full circle movie. here we, we are full circle this is the best movie about fincher he's ever made about himself <laughs> yeah i think i think we nailed it right all right so what's the list hey, the list is just top five or are we going through all of them no just top five. all right top five so five panic room four fight club five the social network two seven and one Zodiac. I think, I think that's a fine list. I think it's a great it's a list. Very nice list. Still don't like Social Network. Well, <laughs> all right. You're gonna love that movie in like five or six years. You're gonna be like this. No, nah, probably tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it and then be like, like texting you guys, like, guys. Like, I was wrong. Way wrong. Was so way this wrong. is so coming wrong. out on a Wednesday. Uh, David Fincher's new movie is coming out on Friday, December fourth. Check it out for sure. Uh, John, anything you want to plug coming up for you? Oh no, I'm going into retirement. I'm going into hiding, <laughs> retirement. No, I've just uh, I'm taking a little time off. I got some things in the uh, works, but um, it's always lovely to talk about this kind of stuff because it always kind of gets my my juices flowing. And talking about whether again whether or not you like David Fincher or not, he's undeniably a great artist and a hardworking filmmaker. He might be an asshole, but he gets it done. So, um, but talking about him and thinking about these films always gets me going. So, more stuff to come. Uh, APBfilm.com and fifthcolumnfeatures.com. What are what are some social handles people can follow you on too if they want to? I don't do that. You, just don't you, do you that. have a fucking Instagram. I follow it. I think it's film. I think it's fifth column features. It is. Yeah. I was yeah. just trying I to. FCF I was literally features. just trying to give you a layout. I get, just, it's all cats, dude. It's all run. It's all house renovations and people cats. people want to see cats on oh, Instagram. Yeah. Well, all right, yeah, cats. Uh, FCF features. <laughs> or FC features. Excuse me. Not FC features. FCF. All right, and John Yost. Thank you. You know. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> You can uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Back Porch Media on Twitter at Porchback Media. Um, all that good stuff. And because we're finally recording this after we launched all that, please follow that stuff. Please follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that sort of shit. Yeah, all the things that podcast people tell you to do at the end of the podcast, if you could just do that, that'd be super helpful. We didn't write out a list, but <laughs> we know that those are some of the things that they that say. we're supposed to say. If so please do it. Good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, John, thanks for coming on and joining us, man. Thank really you appreciate so much. it. And that's about it. We'll see you guys later.